The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. One of the first things I said to them uh, when I, was, I began to speak, because many of them I don't know very well, I said, you all have an accent, I don't. <laughs> and they said, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> all right. Tell the guy I brushed my tongue a lot. He just won't work. He stays there. Okay. This message today I titled The Little Foxes. The Little Foxes. And uh, it's taken out of the Songs of Solomon. And so- Songs of Solomon is actually Solomon. Um, it's a love story. It's Solomon talking to somebody that he loves. You shouldn't mind. Shouldn't mind. And he talks to her and she replies. That's the whole book. But when you read between the lines, you begin to understand that the story is really a story of love between God and his people. The love of God for his people. And if you read in Songs of Solomon chapter 2, where the title is taken from, verse 15, he says, My heart was touched. That's the bride now speaking. My heart was touched and I fervently sang to him. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. I fervently sang to him my desire. What I really want. I sang to him my desire. He says, take for us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Of our love. For our vineyards are in blossom. Take the foxes. So is the bride asking whatever it is that is bringing problems to your love. Take it away. I don't want anything to come between me and you. I want to love you with all of my heart. And that's us to God. Anything that stands in the way of your love for God, let it be removed. You can't by yourself take them away. Notice if she could, she'll put it away. But no, she's crying out to him. Because he is the only one that can take those things away. But you have to realize that those things are in your life. And you don't want them. And you want them out of your life. And if you cry out to him, he'll hear. That's what this is, a love story. If you read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, God says clearly, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's what God wants. It's both a commandment and that's what he desires. He desires you to love him. You were taken from him. You can love God. Even though you don't see him. God will not ask you to do something that you cannot do. Especially when you have received God into your life. Uh, Now, uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, God has poured out his love into our hearts. Because of the Spirit of God. So you have the ability to love God. It's not a feeling. 
You can choose to love God. And if you decide you want to love God, God will empower you to love Him. It's a choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. Once you have chosen to love God, you will love God. Because God will pour His love in your heart. Jesus prayed to His Father in John chapter 17. He said that the love with which you love me. So the love of God with which God loved His Son the same love, I want you to put that love in them. And I receive that love this morning. Say it with me, I receive that love. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. You can't love God, you don't have the ability. Because He's divine. But then He puts into your heart divine love. And you can love Him. You can love God. If you don't understand what that means this morning, set your heart to love him. You know, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, God said, I have set my love on you. God loves everybody in the world. But it's different when he now focuses that love on you as a person. And he proclaimed, I am faithful. I will keep my words to you. Everything that I've spoken concerning you, I'll fulfill them. I will fulfill the oath that I swore to you, to bless you. So God demands that love. And he loves us. He's proclaimed his love. For God so loved the world. You remember that? That he gave his only begotten son. How? His love unto death. He will rather die so that you live. And that's the Son of God who was from the beginning, the one that created the universe. He died for love. Love for me. I had to return that love. In whatever form. You know, I encourage people, say to him constantly, I love you. I love you. Say it. If you don't say Christianity is a saying religion, you have to say something. When you go before God, say, say. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You want your freedom? Speak it. And life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if you love it, you eat the fruit thereof. And I want that fruit. So I want to tell God, God, I love you. I mean, I don't feel anything. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with feeling. Just keep telling him, God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. I thank you for what you did for me. Jesus, I love you. You gave your life for me on the cross. That was love. I received that love. God, I love you. God, I love you. Guess what? As you say it, and you keep saying it, one day you, you, you're quiet, and God says it back in a very gentle voice. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And oh, your heart's filled with joy because you heard his voice. You've spoken to him. He loves you. And when you love God that much, you don't want anything in the way. You want everything out of the way. You know, I remember when I was newly saved. Oh, the world was different. 
It's like I was seeing things very differently. It's like, look at the flowers. They were there before. But, but, but you can see things differently. The joy in your heart and all of that. I loved everybody. Want a kiss? Oh, a holy kiss, okay? I mean, it was beautiful. I loved everyone. And, and, and remember talking to them. They insult you and curse you out. But this is, a fellow said, I just cursed you. I, well, how come you are not mad? I say, it wasn't you that cursed me. It was the devil that was speaking to you. He said, the devil is in me? Uh, but, you know, I was a new Christian. What do you know? And that's all I say. If it's not right, it was the devil that was doing it. And he spoke to him. And he says, you're not mad at me. No. There was so much love in my heart. I couldn't hate. I knew every time I get bitter, what happens then in my heart, that joy and the peace and the love begins. No, 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 no. I don't want that. Please get it away from me. Those little foxes. Get them away from me. I want to serve him. I want to serve him. That's how beautiful this is. Your love for God. Let me ask you this. What makes it so hard for you to obtain a relationship for God, with God? What makes it so hard for you to obtain a relationship with God? What is standing in the way? God wants you. It's a rich relationship. A relationship that benefits your life. And if God said, a thousand generations after you, what can be wrong with that? What's standing in the way of you receiving this great relationship with God that is so freely given to everyone? What's so important? Whatever you can gather, you leave it behind. Everything you struggle for, you leave everything behind. You focus on one thing, you think you got it, and then comes more troubles into your life. And you've been running in circles for so many years. Can't you get hold of something that will last forever? Something that's there for you for eternity? That's more important than anything else. Everything fades. You are popular today, tomorrow they hate your God. That's the way it is. Life is never stable for anyone. But have something that's always constant. And that's Jesus in your life. The love of Jesus in your life. That never goes away. We sang this morning, his love, his his presence is always there. So I need that in my life. That's my rock. That's my foundation. What's stopping you from having a relationship with God. You may think it's important. Believe me. In terms of eternity. It's silly. Put those things aside. Go after God. And the scripture has already told us. Blessed are they who hunger. And thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. And this is the first thing. You were created to serve him. He is to be number one in your life. So what is that? How important is that thing? That you lose your soul. Jesus puts it this way. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and suffers the loss of his soul? Is God loving you? 
it's not like I'm going to go to God and I have to keep all of these laws. No, no. I didn't care about just keeping laws. I wanted that joy. Amen. In my life, I wanted to serve God. <laughs> and another reason, I didn't want to go to hell. Excuse me. I've tried my finger in that little flame. It is really painful. And I figured that if I can't handle uh, Houston heat... I don't think I will survive there in a long time. There are no air conditioning there. Huh? That was another motive for me. That was probably the main motive to run to God. Don't want to go there. But after that, you find that there is a, a lifetime of discovery. Things that were hidden. Things that I couldn't see before. Now I can see how beautiful and how gracious this God is. And I have the privilege to serve Him in this life. Others may not serve Him. That's because they don't understand. But by His grace, He's opened my eyes. I can see. I can serve Him. What is it? Number two, what are the things that take you away from His presence? What are those things? That take you away from his presence. Number three, what makes it hard for you to be in his presence? You know, some people, they go to a certain church and all of a sudden, for no reason, they're already uncomfortable. And God's presence is there. You are uncomfortable in God's presence? That doesn't make sense. But it happens to people. And in my own thinking, most likely you have given yourself to the enemy so much. And when you come into God's presence, you feel uneasy. There are demonic forces against your life. And you think something is wrong with this church. No, nothing is wrong with the church. Something is wrong with you. And you take off through the doors. <laughs> those demons say, that was rough. <laughs> we'll never let you go back to that place. Because they know going in there is your freedom. And they make you so uncomfortable. And I can't wait till the service is over. Oops, I'm out. Nothing wrong with the service. I know because I've been there. I know. What makes you uncomfortable? Let me tell you this. The little foxes. Read in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 1. It says, dead flies purify the perfumer's ointment and curse it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. Just a little folly. Can change everything this time for us believers. Just a little folly. You know, David, the King David, he spent his life building a kingdom with the help of God. All his life. Fighting to build a kingdom. Twelve tribes of Israel united them. Built the kingdom. Fought all the enemies of God. 
And after his death, God raised Solomon. And Solomon brought so much wealth into, the, into Israel. All over. They were very wealthy. <laughs> Kings were coming just to listen to Solomon. It's funny. Solomon was so rich. They come to listen to him. He was the richest all over the place. But when they listen to him, they still give the rich man money. Can you understand? It's like me going to Bill Gates, and after listening to him, I give him some money. That's the way God wanted. God was taking the money from all the nations and bringing everything back to his people, Israel. They were doing so well. And then Solomon had Rehoboam. And the people came to Rehoboam. And they said, look, we will serve you. Your father made things really hard. The taxes were heavy on us. They had money they could pay. But they needed a little release from it. How many want taxes to go down? Okay. He says, the burden on us was really hard on us. If you will listen to us and reduce the burden a little bit, we will be your servants. Forever we will serve you. And then the king said, oh, now go, go away and come back in three days. And he canceled with those that sat with his father and canceled his father. And they told him, look, if you will be a servant leader and listen to the people, you got them. But then, fully, he went to listen to, talk to his friends. And those rascals were telling him, hey, tell them, if my father whipped you with whip, now I'm going to whip you with scourges. I'm going to really make it tough for you. He says, my waist, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. That's fully. And guess what he did? He went to them and said those things to those people. One day of folly, he lost ten tribes in Israel. And for many years, they never came back together. A little folly. They took everything from him. Now, you remember the story of Esau? Esau, Isaac's son, Esau and Jacob. Sometimes we don't know what God intends for us. When we take the things of God lightly and we don't respond appropriately, to you it's no big deal. But believe me, in the light of heavenly things, in light of eternity, it's huge. You may not know, but it's huge. It was just an apple that she ate. Remember that? It was just an apple. A little apple. That's what we're told. It's an apple. A fruit. That Eve ate. Just a little. What's wrong with it? But look at what it did to the world. For one little disobedience. Till today we are still suffering the consequences of what? One little action. The little foxes that spoil the vine. It is a man, you have a good family. You are working and here comes this lady. She's not what all that God is built in your house. 
You can move just a little move, just for a little fun, and destroy your family. A little folly. You had peace, prosperity in your home, but just these little things, just for a few minutes, few seconds, you destroy your life. The little foxes that spoil the vine. Esau came from the field and he told his brother, his brother was sitting there. His brother said to him, I want you, he was hungry. I want you to sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. Today, now. Because he said, give me a little of that red stew you have. And he said, what's, the, what's best right compared to what's going on with me? No, it's bigger than that. He says, I'm dying, starving to death. No, he came from the field. He wasn't starving that bad. He could have lived in the next day. He had the day, previous day. But this is what somebody who never took holy things seriously. Fully. If he are taking the holy things uh, seriously, he won't even listen to him. He said, how dare you ask that question? I'll cook my own stew. But he never did. He says, what's best for Why is this so important to you? Give me that stew. Jacob said, swear to me today. And he, he did it. He did it. A little folly. Today, if he had not done that, we would be saying, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. God erased his name from that place for one little folly. That's how important. Some things are not worth it. There are some places that we shouldn't go. There are certain things we shouldn't do. Yes, we can repent. But sometimes these things can be very damaging. Saul was another one. Uh, Samuel, I told Saul, go to Gilgal, wait for me. Sometimes we feel like, well, I had too much pressure on me, so I had to. No. God doesn't see it that way. So, the Philistines were around. And so Samuel said, seven days I'll be there. Seven days Samuel wasn't there. It was a test. You see, God will test you to see what you do. And the reason he wants to know if he can trust you. You remember just for one little thing. <laughs> a little anger from, Saul, uh, from Moses. Remember that? Just a little anger. He was angry. And God said, speak to the rock. He hit the rock. And for that reason... His dream for the promised land. He had dreamt it for many years. He never went into it. For one little thing. These things are very significant. Saul said, I saw the Philistines come in. And the sacrifice had not been made. You are a king. You are not a priest. God says, kings don't do that. You leave it for the priest and the prophet. They make the sacrifice. Not you. You don't offer them. He knew it. But to him, it's no big deal. We say big deal. Those are the little foxes. 
those things that you don't consider big deal and that are in the shady area, well, I really don't matter. Those are the things that will destroy you. Don't matter. I'll do it. It's okay. Samuel will understand. And, And as soon as, let me read the scripture. He says, then I said, the Philistines, this is Saul speaking, will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. He sounded good, right? I wanted to pray to the Lord. But this way God wants it done. I wanted to pray to the Lord. And so Bethlehem was not there. Therefore, I felt compelled. I felt forced and offered a burnt offering. That's not his place. And this is what Simon said to him. You have done what? Foolishly. You have done foolishly. And then, right after that, Simon is saying, you know, God would have established your kingdom forever. Jesus would have been called, maybe, son of, so I don't know. But, that was the beginning. God said, no, not you anymore. The kingdom will no longer stay with you. God has found a man after his own heart. That was David. Amen. And David never took anything for granted. When he sinned, he, was, he knew that it was wrong. He saw what happened to Saul. He saw what happened to Saul. That the Holy Spirit left him. Read Psalm. What Psalm is this? Psalm 51. He says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Renew in me a a new heart. Because he saw the folly of Saul. While Saul excused what he had done and didn't think any big deal about it. He says, no big deal. Follow me. Let's do sacrifice to God. Honor me before the people. He made light of something very significant. But David wouldn't. Renew in me a clean heart. And the right spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Like you did Saul. Because when the Holy Spirit is taken from you. You don't have any kingdom anymore. Kingdom is gone. And he understood that. You know. The issue we have. Some of us. What was painful to Jesus? Revelation chapter 4, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Jesus said, I love everything that you're doing, but you have left your first love. You know what Satan does with Christians? He doesn't let them just go away from God. He works with them to reduce their Love for God. Okay. And then, if you read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, 16 there, he's Jesus saying, I would rather have you hot or cold. But this lukewarm thing is not, is not worthy of my endorsement. And so what Satan wants to do to you and I, believers, is bring things, little foxes, into our lives, You're still a Christian, but you are not cold and you are not hot. And that's what he likes. So God cannot walk with you and Satan cannot walk with you. He's just there. That's his job. To make you lukewarm. 
so that Jesus will vomit you from his mouth. To make you look warm. The little foxes, they may not stop you from going to church maybe a few Sundays in the mouth, but they keep you lukewarm where God cannot work with you. That's where the problem is. His fight is to get you to be lukewarm. So you've been serving God, you go to prayer meetings, you go to Bible studies, and, and, and then all of a sudden a voice whispers, man, you are going so fast. Hey, relax. Are you the only Christian in the world? Don't you see the others, how they are relaxed? Do you have to pray every morning for one hour? And so you say, oh, well, I tell you what, I'll just pray for 30 minutes. That's the beginning of trouble. It, it, it seems justified. That's the beginning of trouble. And that's what happens to us. When you back away from it, it's really hard to get back. And in spiritual things, there are no road maps. There's no road out there for you to follow. You have to fight again to get back there. That's how it is. Once you've taken that step back, it's hard to go back. It was a little thing to take that step back. But it's a real battle to get back where you were before. So we must always be careful. Your prayer life. Some of the things that are important that Christians do. Church attendance. When your heart thinks, well, no big deal. (laughs) It's a big deal. When God has commanded something. Don't ever say it doesn't matter. Because once it comes out of your mouth, heaven's heard it. And guess what? The devils have heard it as well. Now you have opened the door for them to walk on you to get you to be lukewarm. That's what it is. Because the Bible talks about church attendance. He says very clearly in Hebrews chapter 10, And let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works, we have to be around each other in worship. On the Lord's day, people don't understand. Let me show you something that God showed me. Have, have you read Revelation? And you, you read in the scriptures in Revelation, Paul was in the island of Patmos. And, 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 and I mean, sorry, uh, John was in the island of Patmos. He was alone. But he knew what day. It was. And on the day, on the last day, that Sunday, he knew he couldn't be with his brethren. But he was still going to worship God. That's what you read. On the last day, I was in the spirit. That's what he was doing. So he knew he to worship God even in the last day. He could have said, oh God, you let them put me in this island. I'm just so tired. I've been doing your work and you allow this persecution. Now I'm going to die in this island. I just feel like sleeping. But no, he got up to worship God on the Lord's day by himself. And he said, I was in the spirit worshiping God. And all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. 
And now we got the book of Revelation. What of if he had slept through that morning? You see how we miss God? God has a plan for you. Now let me say this. There is somebody here. Uh, I don't know how to say this. But you, this, you've had struggles and pains with hemorrhoids. But God's healing you today. God's healing you today. You don't have to show yourself. But if you're that person, God's healing you. And you're going to be free from that. Amen? So he was there on the island of Patmos. And God, Jesus showed up. Because he was worshipping God on that day. So the scripture tells us. Not forsaking, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's church worship. Some people say, well, I can worship God at home. That's not what scripture says. You do what God says, not what you think. You know, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. The closer we get to the coming of Jesus, the more we should meet. Can you see what's happening in the United States? I've never seen the U.S. like this before. I've been here for a while. He's so divided. Vitriol. People really angry at one another. You can see that. You think it's just people. No. Demons are behind this. We are coming to the end. This is, this is the, the days where we should gather even more and talk about what's going on. Because the scriptures will be fulfilled. And because we know the scriptures will be fulfilled, now we want to get closer to one another so we can pray together and see if we can find release and refreshing coming from heaven to us. That's what God's wanting. This is not the time to go apart. This is the time to come to, and the Bible says, meet more often because the day is approaching. And you see Christians that go up and down, God knows he can't trust them. How would you do business with uh, an employee? <laughs> it comes one day, the next day. You can never tell when they'll show up. Same thing goes with prayer. You know, let me say this. I, be, I believe God gave me this. Listen, every time you stop or you cease from praying much, what it is, you have turned to yourself for wisdom. To live in a world that's infested with demons. Every time you say, well, if you're not praying at all, if you're not talking to God at all, that what's really going on in your life is that you are depending on yourself, your own wisdom to live on the earth where Satan lives and is wanting to destroy you. Remember what Jesus t- told us, John 10.10? 10? The thief does not come except to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Who? Me. My children. You. And there is only one hiding place. Jesus. And I'm going there. Even if there's a song that says, even if they don't go with me, no, no one goes with me, I'm going. I will hide under that rock and protect myself. 
Whenever you are not praying, look at what Jesus said in, in uh, Luke 18 verse 1. He gave a parable saying to them, Men ought always to pray and not faint. What did, what did Jesus mean by that? If you are a Christian and you don't, you relax a little bit from your prayer life. Guess what? Jesus can't lie. Jesus cannot lie. If you are not praying, you are going to face discouragement and failure. You need prayer. Man, if you are a human being and you are a Christian, you ought to pray. Not sometimes, always, according to Jesus. Always. Yeah, I'm really tired today. Jesus understands. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Pull yourself from the bed. Keith Green says Jesus rose from the dead, but you can't even get out of bed. <laughs> Bible study. That's important. <coughs> Excuse me. Reading the Bible. The, I, I, what really came to me when I looked at that uh, Jesus was in the house of Martha, Mary. Remember that? Jesus was in the house of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And Martha, good woman. <laughs> we love those ones. If you are a pastor, you love those type of people. Amen? Because they are always working. They are trying to get everything in order. They are good. And they are spiritual people. Amen? And for the most part, the way we see it, they are the real spiritual people. Because they are doing everything for the church, right? That's good. But according to Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, Martha was busy. And Martha got really indignant. She was like, I'm doing all this stuff, cooking for all of your, you 12 disciples and you, Jesus, and everyone that followed you. This is a lot of work for me. And my sister is sitting by your feet just talking? She's not spiritual. Okay? She's not spiritual. She's just talking, making conversation. That's what she likes. Lazy. Just sitting down there talking to you. Those are not the words of the Bible. Those are my words, okay? And so she complained to Jesus. Tell that my sister to come and help me. She's just lazy. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. <laughs> oh, God, please don't call me like that. <laughs> Ooh, that's rough. <laughs> You can read that in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, okay? You are worried and troubled about many things. Yes, no, I'm not troubled. I'm just trying to serve you. Hello, right? Troubled about, no, I'm not troubled about many things. I'm trying to serve you and I need my sister to help me. That's spiritual. <laughs> okay? But Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing, how many things? 
One thing is needed. In life, all you need in life is the word of God. That's what Jesus is saying. You one thing? What about food? The word of God will bring you food. What about comfort? The word of God will bring you comfort. Everything you see came from the word of God. One thing is needed. Just one thing. And it's the word. That's what Jesus told Martha. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that. Look at it. It it could have said part. That part. But guess what he said. Good part. She shows the best. But you know Jesus. I just wanted to serve all of you. Yeah that's good. But serve the word first. Jesus could care less about the food you're preparing for him. He would rather give the word. So the best thing is stay with your scriptures. Every time you have opportunity to listen, listen to the word. Read the scriptures. Listen to people. And your faith will grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you put the word of God inside of you, all you're thinking about is what you've read from the word of God. And Jesus tells us the word of God. I believe that was uh, John six sixty three. It says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Because that word will bring life into your life. Breathe life into your finances. Breathe life into your marriage. Breathe life into your children's lives. Breathe, breathe life into everything. One thing is needed. The word of God. I'm going to say this and I'm going to close because of time. There are other things that are very important. They are very little. In, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Let how many bitterness? How many bitterness? <laughs> Pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. I could never forgive that person. No, no, no. God understands. No, God doesn't understand. You got to forgive them. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, that's another thing, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. With all malice. You can't say, I can't go there because that person is going to be there and I don't like them. Christians don't have that luxury. That's a good way to get cold. To get, I mean, not just lukewarm. To get cold. Bitterness will get you from lukewarm to being really cold. It's hard to serve God when you won't forgive. It's very hard. You try, but you know it's not real. Nobody has to tell you. They won't know that it's not real. But something in you tells you something has gone wrong. Because God forgave us. All the great, the terrible things we did, God forgave us. And you can forgive. Anger, you know, those things are need, need to be taken care of. Um, 
I'm going to read this closing scriptures. It says, for bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now and the life to come. And then this other one. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man. But afterwards, his mouth will be filled with gravel. You're laughing? <laughs> Bread of deceit is sweet to a man. You think you're getting away with it? The little lies, yeah, oh, I got him and I got away. You think you're getting away, you lied your way out? <laughs> and you think it's like, that was good, I got him. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man. It's normal, it's natural, you like it, because you got away with it. But afterwards, your mouth will be filled with gravel. And you try to bite gravel in your mouth, that will be rough. Let's use wisdom in the service of our God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Did God speak to you this morning? I believe he did. Now, can we stand up? Thank you. Can we stand up and really commit our lives to God? Every one of us. Let me tell you this. I pray for every one of us here. We'll all make it in Jesus' name. We'll all make it. And God is going to empower you with his spirit to do what's right. Only he can do it. Nobody else can do it. So today we are going to ask him to help us identify the things that are stealing from us. Those little foxes. One message cannot cover them, but you know what's going on. You know what's going on in your life. And God may have spoken to you. You may have resisted. I beg of you today. Please yield to God. Because it's not worth it. That's that's bread of deceit. Later your mouth will be filled with gravel. That's a difficult life. I want God to free us today. Amen. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand today, but I want you to pray with me, every one of you. Okay? I want you to pray with me. And uh, yes, Pastor Larry, Please put your hand. Where's dog? There's dog back there. They have a class there for people who are new to faith. I wish I had somebody like this individual teaching me when I was newly saved. That would have been a great help. I encourage you, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how it goes. You can't just start from being a baby and the next day you are eating steak. It goes by what you do. Make yourself available. 9.30 in the morning, go there and list. Uh, sun, uh? Sunday morning, yes. 9.30 Sunday morning. They are always there teaching. So if you pray the prayer to receive Christ today and you really mean it, first step is say, I'm going to that class. You know what God does? He says, now I know he's serious. And now we have business going. But to stay away, you do yourself no service. Until you get close to God, God doesn't get close to you. The scripture is there. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I encourage you to go 
in prayer. If you're here today and you want Jesus to take full control of your life, say this prayer with me. Some of us have given our lives to Christ before, but you need more. How many need more? I need more. I need more. So you cry after him for more. Amen? Shall we pray? Say with me, Lord God, thank you for your word. Your word does not return to you void. We receive your word today. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I ask that you be my Savior, my Redeemer, and my God. I welcome you into my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.